Hello and welcome to That Fucking Podcast with your host, that fucking guy, LJ Sullivan. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, let's do uh, let's do the updates. It is the uh, 26th of August, uh, 2020. Uh, it's been, I feel like, not that many days since I recorded last. Um, like a week or so? little over a little under a week since uh since i recorded last which is good you're getting back into the flow of recording lately um which get, brings me directly into the updates and what your boy has been up to uh just trying to get back at it man trying to uh trying to work on writing more that's what i'm going to be doing after this i actually want to talk to you guys a little bit about that because i had a total fucking brain blast with something regarding uh the graphic novel we'll get into that in a second uh trying to get back into the dojo this week trying to get back into honing uh my body and my mind and my soul um all all at once it's a beautiful thing and i'm better for it when i'm doing it so i'm trying to get back at it uh and it's just a matter of creating and forming habits which all of if you had healthy habits going on before coronavirus coronavirus kind of fucked your shit up like i was having actually a lot of really positive momentum before coronavirus and i kept it going there for a little bit but you could only do so much eventually the way shit is it all gets to you but then there's the opportunity to rebuild and restructure new habits new ways of doing things uh come out on the other side stronger and whatnot it's all possible baby it's all doable um so let's see what else we got thinking about talking mentioning uh coming out stronger on the other side hey everybody uh go help out the lounge at the end of the universe go to a thing to an event pay for a virtual ticket for a stream help these people out man because this is it's basically a collective of artists and it's like every performance artist uh in the boise area needs desperately the lounge at the end of the universe uh maybe not every performance artist i'm sure there's people involved in ballet idaho and fucking the shakespearean festival and a bunch of hoity-toity bullshit but salt of the earth artists need like just a community gathering place where we can fucking do our shit that's what the lounge at the end of the universe is no 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 hoops to jump through no bars just a place to uh get your shit done man to be creative so you gotta help the lounge at the end of the universe they're kind of month to month right now it's it's fucked up like the end of every month we gotta do like hey help <laughs> Uh, which, I mean, a lot of people are having to do that, uh, in Corona times, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you're white knuckling it, <laughs> but, uh, we're all in it together, so, uh, we'll get through it, and, uh, you know, no matter what, artists gonna art, you can't stop that, we're always gonna be, we're always gonna be around doing our thing, you know? uh let me circle back to that uh speaking of artists doing art circle back to that writing thing i was talking about like so i have a hard time with the graphic novel not a hard well okay 
part of my anxiety, part of anxiety in general, and one of the root issues of procrastination is if you take on a task that is seemingly entirely too large, it can become uh, daunting and overwhelming, so then you just don't do it. Um, and the graphic novel I want to write is like a long, epic tale. Um, and I don't want that to discourage me, and I don't want that to mean that I never get it done. Uh, just, I have to go into it understanding that it's going to take a long time to birth this specific uh, vision. But as a writer, I need to have other, other uh, projects, other things that I can do... Um, to sort of break in to the uh that sort of realm um shit basically you need stuff to pitch and stuff to work on before you get to the masterpiece nobody's first uh thing is perfect um so but i want these things that i work on leading up to the like penultimate thing i want to do um to be sort of adjuncts to the universe, to be things that slot in, um, which also gives, like, will give my audience a hint for what to expect for the big epic tale, you know, if we're talking about, like, growing a, growing an audience or a market for a certain idea or an aesthetic, you know, I gotta come up with things to give them tastes of, you know, um, and so I've come up with a few of those. I came up with an idea for, um, there's sort of a smaller group of players in the graphic novel, um, who are, they're, they're sort of the most, in a way, they're the most human, uh, they're the most flawed, they are l quite literally the boots on the ground, uh, and so they're, they're getting their hands dirty. They're doing crazy shit. And it it would make for good, like, week-to-week -week adventures, um, you know, uh, sort of like Saturday morning cartoon, like, like really kind of G.I. Joe now that I think about it, but, like, way more hardcore and, like, they're fighting vampires and shit. But that's, and that's just an example. There's so much more going on. Um, and I did like a, like I, I'm real big fan of outlines. Love fucking doing outlines. Actually writing a thing, difficult. Outlining a thing for the way that I want it to be, pretty easy. I don't, I feel like some people are the exact opposite. It's very easy for them to sit down and just start writing, but then they have no idea where the fuck they're going because they don't have an outline. And so, you know, everyone has their own curse to deal with. Everyone's got their process. Um, so, uh, but that's not even the fucking thing that I wanted to talk about. I had this great idea. Well, actually, it's an old idea, but I broke ground on the outline for this idea, and I'm excited to start working on it. Maybe today. Kind of need to work on a very specific scene in the graphic novel before I lose grasp of what that scene is supposed to be. Um, it's a negotiation, and like, you gotta, you gotta be in a certain 
mindset, I feel, to write a negotiation. It's also a very one-sided negotiation, but the one side in which it is one-sided it is trying to make it feel not one-sided. This is a, th- th- These are subtle nuances that can happen conversationally that are hard to capture in the dialogue of the written word. Probably not that hard, but like when you're teaching yourself hard um so there's that uh what fucking did i uh, i don't think i told you you the listener y'all everybody don't think you told told you what the uh idea is idea i've had as an adjunct to the graphic novel universe that i'm working on uh it's i'm excited about it right now because it's gonna be it's gonna be like a small town usa story there's gonna be like uh racism themes and stuff going on i'm excited to write it i think it's gonna be topical um and i've designed it such that i have like a page limit uh like a page expectation limit zone area i'm getting better at forming goals in my writing uh and then that i believe the next step is sticking to those goals so we'll see uh deadlines are next uh <laughs> uh goals and deadlines uh the bane of the writer's existence but also the only way we would ever get anything done um let's see what else do we got here uh oh lately comedy well not lately but like yeah, I'm going to say lately, lately, um, comedy has felt like a real catch-22, uh, just in terms of, like, how to go about it, because oftentimes, like, before corona, I would, I feel like there were, like, say, six mics a week, because I'm in Boise, and I know for, if anyone's listening in a bigger city like LA or New York or Chicago, they're like six mics a night fucking good for you fantastic but understand for me six mics a week was great um because we as a comedy community had to work up to that point um and so uh we did and it was happening and usually without sort of really trying what would end up happening is like half the time i would be like really seriously working on the material that i know needs working on needs polishing like uh this is stuff that i'm going to stick with and then the other half of the time was experimenting and 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 just being on stage doing new stuff finding voice uh being a third year comic you know um so it when there's more mics it's easier to split your focus on those two separate things like like putting in the work versus being in the moment uh but they can also be the same thing it's it's weird it's a very it's a delicate balance that can be hard to capture um when you're in it when you're on a roll it's fucking great when you're out of it it's super frustrating um so you know it is what it is you can't be riding high uh all the time forever you know uh at some point 
there comes a uh, a creative lull, and why not have that be in quarantine? Um, so you know, it is what it is. Gonna keep working at it. Gonna see if I can crack the nut. You know, gonna uh, been trying to listen to more recordings of myself, but that's that's just annoying as fuck. I mean, editing this podcast is a goddamn nightmare just because I have to fucking listen to myself. Um, half the time I don't even listen to the whole thing. I just listen to enough to know that the audio recording is sound and trust the rest. And then it's hits the hits the presses, hot off the presses for you guys. Um, and so, uh, yeah, man, it just, yeah, one, like, so working on old stuff, polishing, doing the work that feels almost impossible with two mics a week. That's nothing. That's barely enough to just be, to not get extremely worse at comedy. That's what that is. And then, so like getting better, doing new stuff, figuring out new stuff is almost impossible. Almost. Not impossible. Almost. But then doing the older stuff just amounts to like sort of this egotistical self-indulgence sort of a intellectual masturbation activity just reciting words that you remember that you know make people go haha um but it i don't know it's a whole like i said it's a catch-22 it's there's the only answer is to keep keep trugging along keep keep trying to figure out a rhythm um that's all you can do in life in art in your pursuits uh, is to fucking just keep moving, keep, be dory, just keep swimming, you know what I'm saying, just keep going with the flow, that's all one can do, uh, and that concludes the updates, that concludes, uh, the, what's been going on with me lately, just, you know, I'm just, just, you know, surviving, just out here doing what it do, uh, gonna go to an open mic later tonight, um, so yeah, it's, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out, we're gonna do something, uh, the open mic that I went to on Monday, I tried to work on things, and that led me to here, uh, talking about what I was just talking to you, and then, uh, so I don't know, tonight I think I'm gonna just, just riff and have fun, but then that, that feels like so lazy, so like not, what you should be doing, supposed to be doing, but also it's fucking quarantine. Is anybody doing what they should be doing? I, I mean, I mean, what is should? Would uh, define should for the court, please? Um, that's a whole that topicality debate. High school. Um, <laughs> okay, you you all don't know the same. My brain is moving too fast. Um, yeah, you have to define terms like should, even though it feels like you shouldn't have to. Um, simple words like that. Like, there's versions of the definition of the word should that are imply a moral obligation. That's more ought than should. Should can imply like a sort of like sort of a pragmatist approach to like what you should do. I don't know. There's a lot of language, language and philosophy, you know? It's fucking 
that that's the part of philosophy like uh 101 and just when you start diving deep into the philosophy when you get into like the linguistic types i <laughs> i'm out of there i'm done with them i don't I don't need fucking what's his name Wittgenstein or whatever it is Lud Ludwig, uh, fucking these yeah I mean it's not that I'd want to you know downplay their contributions to the conversation as a whole that is philosophy but I mean it just gets boring when you're like well what about words it's like yeah but like it's sort of questioning the very unstable ground that you walk on just walk on it like you could uh, what are we what are we gonna do here we, we, we're just gonna stand around and fucking question if walking is even possible or are we gonna accept that walking appears to be a given and then uh, get to where the fuck we're trying to go uh i don't know that that was a huge detour that wasn't in the notes that that's not supposed to be a part of this <laughs> um and I should clarify, right now I'm just doing uh, I'm just doing an intro on episode 10, because guess what? Uh, here, later in the episode, we're going to have a guest, uh, and it's going to be fantastic, and it's going to be something totally different, totally new, but I wanted to uh, come in here and do a little bit, of, little bit of the huge, you know, get you guys warmed up, you know? Uh, so... I'm probably going to just talk about a few more things and then let the rest of the episode be the guest when we come return later to record that. Um, I think I said in the last episode, guest is going to be mom. Uh, and uh, she's super crazy busy today, uh, so she couldn't come in to record. Uh, come in. It's the kitchen. It's not. She didn't have time to stop in the kitchen for an hour. <laughs> She's a very busy lady. Uh, and so, you know, I'll let you, I'll let her tell you guys about why she's so busy um if she wants to i'm definitely gonna throw the ball in her court it's gonna be whatever she wants to talk about um which she's probably not prepared for that should i formulate questions should it be like an interview i don't know i feel like you guys should tune in for what's it like when lj and his mom hang out like that's probably fun and interesting for some of the people who who know us um I keep looking over at the calendar as if my calendar is going to tell me when the fuck she's available. This isn't her calendar. This is my calendar. Whatever. Probably like this weekend or something. That's when we'll get her in here to to talk to y'all. Um, but before we do that, before we get into that, there's something. There's hot, fresh comic book movie news that we have to cover because that's a staple on this podcast. The DC Fandom event um, was just a few days ago, uh, and they talked about a lot of shit. I wrote four things down. Um, <laughs> like, there's only really four things that I super cared about. There's a lot more. There were smaller stuff. There, the mention of cool big things here and there, um, like. Uh, they did little stuff for, like, a Black Adam movie, for a Flashpoint movie, like, little tidbits here and there, but I wanted to talk about the the main courses, like, the major shit they talked about, the Suicide Squad of it all, the Wonder Woman 1984 of it all, the Snyder Cut Justice League of it all, and the motherfucking 
Batman of it all. Did you see that bitch? He said, I am vengeance. Oh my god. Oh god. Okay, we gotta... Clearly we need to work our way up to Batman because I'm too excited about it. It Visceral. Visceral combat. It was... Cheddar. Loved it. Beautiful. Um... Suicide Squad, though. Let's talk about Suicide Squad. James Gunn does the Suicide Squad, which, if there was ever a director who was supposed to do the Suicide Squad, it's James Gunn. Because I'm not sure if y'all remember what James Gunn was doing before Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was shit like Slither. Uh, <laughs> like, fucked up, dark. Like, there's a little bit of comedy in there, but it's also, like designed to be unsettling for the viewer uh it i don't know like it's he's james gunn is a fucking treasure creatively and so you need him working on the suicide squad there's no other way around it you need him there um and uh the lineup looks great i'm excited for all the obscure weird heroes played by a-list actors idris elba coming in playing blood sport what the fuck is that it's just an obscure superman villain from like 1972 no one ever knew about but you know what they're putting them in the fucking movies now like i love it i the dude who came up with that character probably never imagined that it would amount to anything more than just a quick like blip in the the history of a much greater grander character but now they get a do they get a thing they get to enter the consciousness of human beings in 20 whenever suicide squad comes out 2021 2022 definitely not 2020 not, not shit came out in 2020 nobody did anything in 2020 can we restart the calendar can it be for real, I know I joked about this at one point, but for real, can we start over? Can we go year one after this? Like, like year one post-corona, PC. Year one, PC, and, and then the uh, year BC, that, oh shit. AC, after corona. PC pre-corona. So, next year, year one, AC. There you go. We used to do AD, but now we do... Now we do CE. So, there... Alright, history lesson, folks. We used to categorize time <laughs> as uh, BC and AD. The academics have since changed it to BCE and CE. Uh, previously, BC meant before Christ, and AD meant after some other shit that nobody could remember, some Latin shit that roughly means fucking after Christ, brother. Like, we don't know exact after the death of Christ, maybe? I don't know. But it's fucking AD, baby. So we were going B-C-A-D. Uh, then people realized nobody knows what the fucking D stands for. It, it, we say after death, but then there's a Latin thing that the, the people with the history degrees say that nobody else knows how to say. We need to, we need to commodify this so everyone is on the same fucking page, man. All right, cool. Let's go common era for today. 
That's what we'll, we'll CE. That's got a ring to it. CE. All right. Now, what do we do for before that? BCE. Oh shit. That that lines up with BC before Christ, but it makes more sense because it just stands for before the Common Era, giving it an air of historical relevance. Hmm. Hmm. It's a better system. Anyway, I can't remember how that whole thing started. I don't remember how we got there. We were talking about Suicide Squad, and then something just happened to me. I don't know. I don't. Where are we? What? It's 2020 still. Shit. Okay. Um. So, Suicide Squad looking great. Excited for all the weird characters. We got John Cena. Coming in to play a douchey Captain America. That sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah, it just looks fun. They're introducing the Thinker into the movie, which could be major shit. They're introducing Mongal, which could be major shit. They're introducing a lot of shit in Suicide Squad that could be like major ramifications for the universe. But you know what? Suicide Squad doesn't feel like that kind of movie. Suicide Squad feels like these characters are just here for fun. And then, you know, if you get anything extra out of it, Ah, uh, great, but mostly we're here to blow shit up and have fun. Um, so excited for Suicide Squad. It looks fantastic, and I, I'm about it. I really need to see Birds of Prey. I did not see Birds of Prey, and I feel bad because I feel like nobody saw Birds of Prey, and I hear that it's a perfectly alright movie, and we should have all gone to see Birds of Prey. But also, to be fair, that's right around when the pandemic happened. Nobody was going out to do shit. Just playing it safe. Uh, yeah, wasn't that one of the first things rushed out to like video on demand with it because of the outbreak? I can't remember. No one, no one knows what time is anymore. Wonder Woman, 1984. No one knows what time is, but 1984 was definitely back there uh, previously to when this statement's being made. Uh, and so, yeah, it's going to be a fun Wonder Woman romp. Uh, actually, no, that's not what it looks like at all. It looks like it's going to be pretty interesting, pretty compelling. Looks like it's going to propel Wonder Woman forward for whatever the next step in the DC universe is, uh, it uh, it doesn't look like it's too concerned. None of the DC stuff looks like it's concerned with each other. It looks like it's mostly concerned with its characters and what it has going on. Which, when you think about it, for comic books, makes more sense. The whole team-up thing, the whole Avengers thing, the whole you should know everything about everyone in this comic book thing... It, that was a thing designed by comic book creators, companies, to help sell the less popular character. That's why you had Iron Man on a team with fucking Black Widow. No one knows who Black Widow is. No one cares who Black Widow is. But shit, if they see her with Iron Man enough, maybe people will buy some Black Widow comics. And that's what the fuck happened. So the team-up comes from that before that all these 
other all the comic book characters pretty much did their own shit and then when they stopped selling was when you got a team up and that's how you get shit like suicide squad is like all these b-list motherfuckers coming together to do a team up but then justice league and avengers that shit happens when even batman and superman weren't selling super well so what do they do they take the b squad mentality and applied it to the a squad they were like all right so what if batman and superman were on a team together would people give a fuck about that and everybody unanimously said god damn it yes we would um and so that's how you get there um but uh so i feel like dc comics is uh gonna take a more sort of traditionalist approach in terms of not worrying about in universe continuity and connections so much as just putting out like these one-shot issues of comic books like just do you know who this character is you know what the fuck is up enjoy uh sit down eat a pb and j and and watch this person punch somebody in the face uh you know comic book shit like just the child inside uh <laughs> delight it i don't know it's like there it's very it's appealing in a fundamental nature i guess is what i was saying um and getting them all together is appealing on fundamental nature too but it's not it doesn't have to be that way uh i don't know i feel like yeah dc is starting to figure out its own way of doing things which involves being less concerned with everything lining up and being connected they did the joker movie that's not connected to anything when i talk about batman here in a second that's not supposed to be connected to anything so ultimately they are doing more of a traditional not even traditional but just old school this is like like crossovers used to be so rare and that's why they were fun and now it's just like a regular thing which is fine and cool and dandy because then everybody gets to play together with everybody else um but you know it's nice to let Batman go do his own thing and not be concerned with what the fuck Kel-El has going on, you know? Um, anyway, speaking of, that was supposed to be Wonder Woman 1984 talk, but it just ended up being, like, generalist Justice League talk, which kind of segues nicely into the whole Snyder Cut thing. Am I excited for the Snyder Cut? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for the Snyder Cut. It looks really fucking good. It looks like the movie that we were being sold with, Justice League. Was I okay with Whedon's Justice League? I was fine with Whedon's Justice League. Cyborg said booyah. That's all I wanted. Cyborg said booyah. But see, I'm not a person who read the comics. I'm a person who grew up watching Teen Titans. Two totally different demographics. There's, There's like the hardcore fans and then there's the whatever fans and like dc at best was doing great at pleasing the whatever fans with uh justice league and suicide squad like the the fans that come and go with whatever is popular whatever is happening in the moment sure they saw it maybe they liked it maybe they didn't but the people who keep comic book movies profitable and alive and the reason that people probably fucking hate them those people were not happy uh because they weren't 
weren't doing it right. <sighs> Not just like, uh, well, so people weren't happy with Snyder's previous uh, attempts, well, mostly with Batman v Superman. So then the studio started getting heavily involved, and that's how you end up with a Justice League situation and also a little bit of a Suicide Squad situation. The first one, the David Ayer one. That one, you can also tell, like, he might be the next one to get Release the error cut. Um, air cut. Error? Ire? Uh, anyway. Um, because you could tell for the promotional material of that movie that there was a whole other movie going on in there, too, before they started fucking around with it in the editing. Um, because also it's known that after that first trailer hit really hard the studio just went to the trailer like production company and was like can you like do the final edit on this movie so the final edit of the mo the movie just felt like one really long trailer or one really long music video and if you enjoy watching music videos and trailers you probably enjoyed Suicide Squad, but if you went in expecting a fucking movie <laughs> which you rightly should have uh some people weren't satisfied so um i'm glad what they're doing with the new one though i'm glad that they brought some i'm glad the, the approach james gunn is taking where he's not scrapping everybody from the last one but he's bringing in a bunch of new faces and it's staying traditional to the suicide squad comic like you would get one issue with one group of people and then another issue with a different group of people because in the last one somebody's fucking head got blown off because they weren't following orders that's the suicide squad these people are running around with fucking like collars chips in their brain where if they don't do what Amanda Waller says, boop, <laughs> fucking gone, head gone, um, and they don't shy away from that in the comics, and I don't think James Gunn is going to shy away from it, um, oh, Wonder Woman 1984, super excited about Cheetah, super excited about Cheetah, I love it whenever they give a uh, comedic actor or actress uh, opportunities to do like a cool dramatic and or action role. Um, comedians are better actors than I think anybody ever gives us credit for, because here's the thing, when we write a bit, um, usually it's not, like, when you're a comedian, it's both you and not you on stage, it is a version of you, it's a heightened version of you, um, and so you write for that heightened version of yourself, you write for that character that you come to understand, um, and then you perform that like like so you're writing and you're performing it it's a whole thing and you're sort of like determining based on your spacing on stage that's almost a director thing like so comedians on a creative level i feel like are almost at home anywhere in film production except for maybe the tech part of it uh <laughs> But, like, I feel like writing, performing, these are things that comedians do so well that they make it their whole thing to do that. So, yes, give them big roles and meaty roles and make them the villain. Because uh, Cheetah is one of Wonder Woman's main villains. Um, and... But I'm, oh man, there's the possibility that they white swipe Cheetah aside for the Maxwell, Maxwell Lord guy. 
he's like kind of a compelling villain in the comics, but really he's just I just think of him as Wonder Woman's Lex Luthor. He's just a rich piece of shit. And yeah, he has like some powers, but like mostly it all boils down to him being a rich piece of shit. Uh, like, so, you know, and that's why I'm more excited for Cheetah. Also, you get to see the descent of Cheetah. Cheetah's a more relatable villain. I hope they, you know, that's Wonder Woman 1984. Snyder Cut, what am I excited for? Um, just any extra character work they can do. Apparently it's going to be a goddamn four-part series, and each part is going to be an hour, so we're getting four hours of fucking movie. Um... So hopefully it just doesn't shy away from diving deep into each member of the Justice League. And, you know, hopefully what can happen is if the Snyder Cut is popular enough, that just becomes canon. That just becomes, like, that's what happened. Um, And maybe not. Maybe it won't. But if it did, that would maybe be for the best. Uh... Because, I mean, the timeline has also kept moving. So, like, what do you do? I don't know. Also, they mentioned, like, the whole Flashpoint of it all and Flash going back and talking to Batman and stuff. And it's like, well, if they do that, then they could somehow fold in to the continuity they had moving forward after Justice League didn't do as well as they wanted and they started letting people do their own thing. Like... I don't know. Anything could happen, honestly. Now, before I wrap it up and toss it to a later recording date for uh, me and Madre. um, Yeah, that's how you say mom in Spanish, right? Madre? Anyway, it's not a bilingual podcast. Anyway, Batman. Fucking Batman. Fucking Batman. Batman! Batman. It's Batman. His name is Bruce Wayne. It's goddamn Batman. Um, I'm so excited for... Look, I think everyone had reservations when Robert Pattinson was revealed to be the new Bat. But just watch the trailer. I think they call it a DC fandom teaser. It's a trailer. Just watch it. It's so fucking good. They're doing Riddler. It looks like they're setting up like Penguin, maybe even Harvey Dent in the background. Possibly Joker's already a thing, but like maybe nobody knows about it yet. And then like the events of this movie like put him into action somehow. I don't know, man. I'm so excited. Also, they got a young Batman, so like he could keep playing Batman for a little while. We could really and oh the the fucking action, the fight choreography. Ooh. Do you know, so after you've trained martial arts, I feel like there's nothing more satisfying than seeing on screen shit you know, oh yeah, that would probably work. (laughs) Oh yeah, um, that feels accurate and visceral, and uh, is he hitting his head into the cement right now? I feel like he's hitting his head into the cement right now. Um, Like... And they do sound mixing. They don't shy away from it in the sound mixing. Like, as he's punching the dude's head that's on the ground, you hear, like, the squish, uh, which is pretty fucked. But, like, yeah, it's so good. 
It's so... Oh, Batman looks so fucking dope. <laughs> I'm so excited. So excited for this iteration of the Batman. He is vengeance. Oh, man. I don't... Like, there's not a lot to say other than, like... I'm so excited. Uh, sound design. The soundtrack. The way it's shot. The lighting. The mood. Uh, everything. Just it all looks great. It all looks so fucking fantastic. It's the Batman we've always wanted. I feel like it's it is literally the Batman we have always wanted. Like it's taking the best parts, the parts of every person's favorite Batman up to this point and rolling it into one and giving us the definitive Batman. I could not be more excited. <laughs> I just there's literally no other way to put it. I'm fucking stoked for this iteration of Batman. Like way more than I was for for fucking Batflack even though he's been doing a great job. Don't want to don't want to talk shit cuz he is coming back for the Snyder cut and apparently for the Flashpoint movie. Um so that'll be good, which also puts this new iteration of Batman squarely in his own continuity. Uh but again, Flashpoint movie, anything could happen. Uh like Barry Allen could start with Batflack, go through time see michael keaton uh, interact with that Batman, comes back to his original timeline only difference being slightly younger bruce wayne played by robert pattinson <laughs> and he just has to roll with it because at this point he he had to roll with keaton being the new the, with the batman over in the different timeline and now he's in this timeline and everything seems like the same except for this one thing like what are you gonna do you like you can't like if you keep pulling on threads you're just gonna be traveling through different timelines forever you gotta just settle on one that's fucking similar enough rick and morty rules bitch you know what i'm saying like this place is close enough yeah i mean like the dog's assholes all uh smell like peanut butter but it, that's just one thing that's just one thing. Everything else is the same. So just just accept the, the peanut butter assholes and keep living your life the way that you would in the original timeline. <laughs> That's See, when you have a generation of people grow up watching Rick and Morty, I think it's going to fundamentally change the way a lot of people think. Not just watching Rick and Morty, but, you know, quantum shit and just that level of, like, multiversal thinking, infinite possibilities, meaninglessness, forming your own meaning in any given reality. That could be heavy. That could really affect the way that a generation thinks. Anyway, uh, that's everything. That's everything that I have uh, down in the notes so far. Uh, what will be next is I'm going to press the pause button. I'm going to work on writing uh, that one-shot uh, short story in the graphic novel universe. I'm going to work on that a little bit. Maybe, possibly, I don't know. We'll see. I have to cook dinner, too. We're looking at about 4 o'clock. <laughs> Open mics at 7. I, I might need to prioritize dinner. But if I prioritize dinner, I have to prioritize writing after the open mic. I can't fuck around after the open mic. I have to fucking hit the grindstone, get to typing, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, yeah, man. 
Uh, I'm excited to be getting back into the flow of my creative pursuits. I'm excited to have you guys listening to the podcast. And we're going to have my mom on here in a little bit. See what she's excited about. See what's going on in her life. See what she wants to talk about. Maybe she'll have some wisdom to share. I'm excited about it. Uh, And uh, all right, we'll continue this conversation here in a second, guys. Thanks for listening. Okay, now do what you just did. Mic check, mic check. Do it again. Mic check, mic check. Okay, now hold on. Okay, now we can start talking. Hi, Mom, what's up? <laughs> hey, LJ, how's it going? It's, it's pretty good. It's a uh, lazy Sunday for the both of us. Yes, so. I've been very lazy today. Yeah, it's. Um, I try to let people know when things are being recorded because I'm not great about uploading like the day a thing is recorded. Oh, okay. So it's October 18th, 2020. Uh, you have a birthday coming up in mm-hmm. a few days. Four days. Four days. That's fun. Um, what are you getting me? Huh? <laughs> what are you getting me? Well, that would ruin the surprise. Oh, okay. Well, so also, there's a surprise coming. Also, I asked you what you wanted for your birthday, and you said Target and fred meyer gift cards that was different <laughs> how was that different because you were asking for someone else okay and for that person that was a safe answer okay if you were to ask me what i wanted for my birthday for yourself as the purchaser my answer would be completely different well what would your answer be oh putting me on the spot oh well see oh. that's the show welcome <laughs> hi hi welcome to the show i know it looks like our kitchen but it's the podcast right now <laughs> um a purse a purse mm-hmm. Whew. because i can tell you what kind of purse i like okay yeah but purses can be expensive <laughs> especially the purses you like <laughs> okay. i don't know if i can afford Touché. a coach purse right now <laughs> um okay well let me think about it then but okay. yes my answer All would right. definitely be different for you, you versus is who i was asking for yes that yeah okay so other thing about the podcast is if you don't want to say names or anything you can just say i don't want to say that it's the audience is very small right now um <laughs> i feel like a lot of the people who listen are friends, so they already know you. Oh. Um, but also, you know, podcasts could blow up any day now. People might come back and listen to the mm-hmm. past episodes and stuff. So, you know, it is a public record, which is kind of fun. Yeah. You know? um, something that was brought to my attention is something that's cool about this whole thing is uh, when... If whatever I have kids, then they get to listen to this, and oh, they can yeah they that can would be kind of cool yeah exactly. Someone pointed that out to me like, hey, even if you're doing a podcast and no one's listening, like it's recorded, so like your kids could then listen to it and hear like what you were thinking and going through at yeah. the time and stuff. It's almost like a digital journal kind yeah, of. Yeah, I like way. that. Plus, yeah. you're really into history and. 
yes. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so being I have, able to... I have a note here on my podcast notes from when we found that old newspaper a few days oh. ago about the Historical Society. Mm-hmm. That's how into history I am. I was like, old newspaper about FDR dying? Yeah. We need to contact the Historical Society. <laughs> and usually you procrastinate and put things off. And like you called like right called there. Them. And I was like, oh my gosh. I immediately this- called a museum and was like, what do I do? And they were like, historical society. I haven't called the historical. Oh, or, well, they No, I called the historical society and they were like, contact the archives. And I have yet to get a hold of the archives. So I still procrastinate. That first step, I was very invigorated because I thought it would just be one step. And then as soon as they were like, you need to call somebody else. I was like, hmm, this mm. can wait. <laughs> this is going on the back burner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but that's really a good, I don't know who said that to you, but I that was a either. good, um, yeah point to make that yeah this is a a record record yeah yeah. i don't uh i don't remember who said it to me either um this is this is the softball question um uh what's it like to be my mom (laughs) (laughs) yeah what's it like what's it like to be lj's mother a life in the day of lj's mom yeah because i mean i'm sort of an interesting character so What's it like to mom that? <laughs> to mom that. Um, well, I feel very grateful and blessed that I've had such oh. a... Yeah, you're an amazing child. And, oh, cool. Uh, an amazing human being and very intelligent. And mm. um, so to, to be your mom, uh, yeah, I've learned a lot being your mother. Mm. You've taught me a lot. Um you definitely um, did not do the payback thing. You know, they say like, payback. yeah, like they say like when you become a parent, your kid is going to like, like do, do all the things that you, you did, did to get to, to you. To yeah. To like kind of like karma. karma. Okay. And yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. I didn't. No, Cause I was, you, I was not. You were, you've been, like I said, uh, <laughs> a joy to raise. You <laughs> okay. didn't give me Wait, any. So hold on. Wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't pause here and dive into that. Um, what were your, like, young adult teenage years, like, what were you putting grandma through that you were worried karmically would come back around? What were you getting into? Grandma, don't ever listen to this. (laughs) Or mom, don't ever listen to this. Um, well, I just, um, I mean, I was kind of a, I was kind of a little bit of a, wild wild child child. running around getting into shit (laughs) yeah like i had to be home in the yard when the um street light came on and that was a rule because mm -hmm. you because needed that rule because you would stay out all night stay out past my time and then i would get in trouble and so i had to come in i had to be home by the time the street light came on and but like how old did that rule uh, apply to? Uh, well, if she had her way, it would have applied way longer than um, feasible. Because, you know, once you turn 
15, 16 in Idaho, you can drive at right. night. Right. Back so, in the day, too. Yeah, so people that were changed things. Still probably had road beers at that time. But when I was restricted <laughs> to feet and bicycle. Okay. Yeah. I All right. That. Well, yeah, I feel like that's still kind of the norm for kids. But, yeah. like, teenage adult years, you, you I think probably... I, I think um, I did more things that... Uh, were questionable? Yeah. Like getting yeah. on the backs of motorcycles and things. Uh, yeah, and drinking and underage. And, and, yeah. Well, I did some of that, too. Yeah, but, but not, not as much. Not, not as like much. Okay. what we did when <laughs> we were your age. Yeah. Like, I, not, was, I have I, told multiple I, people <laughs> that knew me then, like, mm-hmm. I am so grateful LJ is not yeah. how I was then. Because... Like, uh, Dazed and Confused <laughs> was, like, that movie was just a... Just realistic was yeah. a documentary was sure. that was pretty much what you were getting into regularly it was keggers and just House wild craziness and, and yeah you know my one friend uh it was all her idea and she drank too much and we just um didn't know what to do with her and we just put her on her front porch and oh ring wow the doorbell. just front porch ring the door i i thought you were gonna say we dropped her off at the hospital oh no 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 no, no, no. that's a different time <laughs> yeah no. different, it's a different, different occasion yeah <laughs> we remember before um um hangover oh came yeah. Out, yeah 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 me and my friends had our own female rendition of that movie oh right yeah you've told me to about us that. in vegas yeah and um so yeah yeah, yeah, that might be a story for another time. But yeah, no. <laughs> apparently, you, it that seems like a rite of passage for adults in America is like you need a crazy Vegas story, like you need a wild. We went. Yeah, or Ve- any wild road trip story. Okay. I think. I mean, yeah. Vegas is kind of the. Yeah. The one because what happens in Vegas stays, stays in Vegas. In Vegas same, yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of the road, um, and me. Uh, well, segue into me doing comedy. How would you feel about me going out on the road to do comedy? Like, say I got, I mean, this isn't happening anytime soon. I wish it was. Um, but like, say I got like booked for three weeks on the road and it was like a loop from like Wyoming through Salt Lake and Nevada and like Oregon and back into Idaho or something like that. Um, I first of all, for argument's sake, let's say I'm going with someone who uh, is like an older comedian, so you maybe know them. Um, I'm thinking like Olick or Emmanuel, oh, yeah. oh. one oh, of those man. two, and then uh, maybe Jeremy, maybe oh, Jay yeah. Nelson, yeah, yeah. and then probably like either Brett or a random comic you're not familiar with. That would probably be the crew. Oh. Then you're not worried I, in the slightest. I would be like, I would feel like you were in, in good, good hands. Good hands, good company, responsible people. Right. Um, plus, whether you're with responsible people and crazy people or not, you have a, you have a huge sense of um, being responsible mm. and thinking clearly and thinking through an idea 
And if you and if sometimes you see, I feel like I spend too much time thinking through an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah overprocessing <laughs> can be a thing. But um, no, I would be first of all, I'd be uh, super excited for you. Um, second, the mom and me would kick in. Right, that's what I, I'm trying to and get. And I would be like, um, okay, well, uh, make sure the car is working ma- properly. Yeah, yeah. And, Make what are your insurance premiums looking like right now? And you got up-to-date AAA? You got yeah, up to yeah. That stuff? Yeah. Okay. You got a who right. ride in the jukebox, in the glove compartment. I oh, mean, you wow. got to be prepared for whatever may happen, especially if you're going through I'm Wyoming. not sure if the audience just caught how fucking gangster you are. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because you just laid down some shit most of the people of my generation wouldn't understand she just suggested i have a gun in the glove box everybody she just said you need to have a firearm with you um, well you uh, you said I, you would be going through wyoming I oh mean, shit wyoming's the concern well because white people white people yeah got you got yeah. you we should let people know you are a white people but <laughs> you are a white people <laughs> but I'm a white people yeah but also not really um so we i mentioned that you ran um quinn's the bar for like a while sort of Mm -hmm. in passing we can talk about that because like you owned a business and you like you i imagine there was some level of like corporate negotiation and like transitioning out of the business so you like you pretty much wrote yourself a pretty sweet corporate sell like deal right so um well yeah i mean that's just that's kind of impressive and like some people would be like oh hmm, i'd like to hear about that but if you don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of like your business life we don't have to no i mean um i was there as an adult um as a a, a, a single mom right for 12 no no i was 18 years 20 years something close something like that um and um and you started as like bartender and then it was manager and then you were pretty much like running the whole thing well so let's go back so as a child right i because uh, um, your grandpa owned quinn's for 47 years right so as a very young child if i didn't go to uh, preschool or daycare or be with your grandma i had to You're go to work with doing your papa. dishes yeah and you know your two aunts worked there and so right. yeah we had to learn everything from the bottom we had to learn how to be the dishwasher similar i'd be put on a bar stool and set rolling silverware to do roll silverware make toast um (laughs) whatever it was we had to learn from the bottom and back then we learned from career waitresses like these women you probably don't know the show uh, mel's diner it's an old 70s but i mean i know career waitresses from having worked at quinn's it's one of the, the few places that probably like still had career waitresses i don't know i feel like that that vibe and that like um sort of sort of recognizing that as like a career and something that somebody uh, does do or can do for most of their life um 
I think as millennials get older, that'll circle back around because yeah. a lot of us yeah. are just in service industry. So once we're like 40 and we've been in service industry for 20 some odd years, it'll be the rebirth of the, of per- the- professional wait- waitress, waiter. You yeah, know? yeah. But yeah, so we had to learn from the bottom up. And then um, when I um, <clears throat> would come back to Boise, and I think it only happened one time, but one summer during college, um, you know, I worked there and was a cocktail waitress. And then when I came back with you after um, when you were little, that's when um, running it pretty much became the thing. Okay. So so you didn't sort of have to transition from bartender into running it since you had already done cocktail. Well, because, I yeah, I had already learned all of that stuff. Um, but I was what they call a... a a working manager or working owner. So I got did you. So you did behind jump the behind the bar because that's what I remember. Waitresses. I like, did shifts um, as waitresses. I even had a, to do shifts as the cook in the kitchen. Like shit, didn't know, know that. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I remember as a kid you uh, coming home late because you had to close the bar. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed you were working bar shifts mm-hmm. back in those days. Mm-hmm. But it was your working manager. That makes sense. That so you basically yeah. I did whatever I needed to do. Do yeah yeah whatever. Bar like, back whatever came up. You yeah just do yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Which is different in a lot of places now, especially franchise corporate places. Yeah. Sometimes you don't have the training or the flexibility or the availability to just jump in and do whatever needs to mm-hmm. be done. But when, you know, it's right. family owned and you're, you know, one of the owners, you, yeah, you have that's, to Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, so... Uh, we mentioned uh, Grandpa real quick in that because we had to say that he owned Quinn's for 40-some-odd mm-hmm. years. Something that's, like, weird that I didn't expect to start happening, but I also I never realized how young you are. Um, <laughs> some, of, some of my friends have parents who are older, and so they're oh. getting older, and so they're having to start to kind of have to deal with that. Um, uh, in some cases and like I don't know some of them have very like stubborn parents mm. and you know what it is to deal with a stubborn parent mm-hmm. who's getting older and dealing with medical things mm-hmm. and all of that so mm-hmm. I don't know any advice in dealing with like a stubborn parent or grandparent just, just someone in your family who's getting older and they don't want to listen to the doctor or do what they need to do so that they can be more comfortable it's weird that they resist the like medicine and the things that would make them feel better just because they don't want to do it and they i guess they want control or something i don't know stubborn people are weird like that so yeah you have experience with that yeah i think um i think for a lot of people um once they become elderly, mm-hmm. um, they've lost so much control over so many aspects of their life. Okay. You know, um, from maybe not being able to handle all of their finances. Right. You know, or paying their bills or whatever. And then it kind of trickles down into, you know, maintaining their home because they're not as maybe um, as... 
just active and able. Yeah, as just, it, yeah, to yeah. take care of certain things. Um, uh, and that's the physical, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then there's the control, losing the control of things like driving. Right. Especially for somebody who's super independent. Um, that's, that is a big, big one. Right, Um, right. So you asked if I had any advice. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the, I think the best piece of advice I could give is any way that you can make them feel that they are still in control control or that they still Still have have options right and they have part to have a say in what's going on right make them a part of the conversation sort of right like decision makings and things right versus just doing it and then having having to deal with it oh uh uh-oh sorry sometimes the audio hold on we're gonna pause did it lose us yeah, it probably uh, didn't pick up everything we were saying there for a second. I wasn't paying attention to the boards, so I'm just going to have to edit through that, which is fine. I've had to do it before. Um, but you were basically just saying like the best advice you could give would be to um, to make the person feel like they still have some control and some say and what is happening with them mm-hmm. okay that's yeah. that's good that's uh, that's a solid piece of advice and we can sort of end that topic there because um, i think the next one might be something that you latch on to a little bit more um because it was something uh one of my friends came over sort of heard you mention it and they were immediately interested so I think a lot of people in my age group would probably be interested to hear you talk about it to the length that you're willing to talk about it. But like you said, you've lived you lived through the L.A. riots and then all of the Black Lives Matter stuff that's happening now um, with uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. You were saying it was sort of giving you flashbacks and stuff, but just like... Um, I guess, like, what it was to live through the L.A. riots and stuff. And I don't know if you want to bring it full circle to now. You can. If not, it's just... it. That's so... I'm interested in history. I think a lot of my friends probably are, too. You lived through, like, a historically very notable thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's weird um, <clears throat> to um, catch a documentary... Um, or that's like, cause I think after, I don't know if it was 20 years later, they did a show about, or a documentary about, um, the LA riots and to, <clears throat> to hear that, the, like retelling yeah, of it, the retelling of it, or even to go back to, um, a show called, um, frontline. Mm. <clears throat> I think it's usually like on public yeah and like Um, the way they covered it at the time yeah like yeah the way they covered it at the time because that that there's one front line in particular that i'm thinking about that um was just a a short time after the riots and it's weird to hear how um they spin it how they spin it and how um different people in the in in all of Los Angeles, how how different the riots were for them, right? Um, 
you know, um, I was in college. Real quick, before you get into you were in college, I've seen the same thing with, like, riots in uh, Portland and Seattle, because I have comedian friends who live there now, and they're saying things are totally different than what the news reports are saying. So it's interesting that you're, like, even back then, like, Frontline was spinning it weird and stuff. So, But anyway, you were in college. Yeah, so in college at Loyola Loyola Marymount University, and... um, and, you know, w- living in L.A. at that time, we were all kind of bracing ourselves for, for something, to happen. something to happen. Because, mm. um, you know, as we all know. N.W.A. Um, was, they <laughs> kind of had already sounded the alarm. And then, so tensions were high tensions, between the police and the people. T- tensions were high. Um you know, um, Rodney King, uh, a year prior. Um, it was, that was a full year prior. About it, yeah. In my brain, the Rodney King riots and the L.A. riots are all rolled into one big. Yeah, see. No, Rodney, the Rodney King incident happened first. And then it was his trial. Was his That's why it, it, was, it took a year mm-hmm. for the trial. And then the verdict mm-hmm. is what sparked the riots, mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. none of those police officers were held accountable right. for what they did to Rodney King. Right. And all of L.A. lost their minds. Right. Um, you know, especially the, the blacks and Mexicans. I mean... Yeah. Um, you, know, he, you know, it's like <laughs> the, one the ones more, at risk. The one ones, more thing yeah. to to show how, <clears throat> how disadvantaged um, and persecuted well, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just how bad racism really is. Yeah. Um, and so we were all kind of like prepared for something, something crazy to happen. To happen. <clears throat> I remember having to go. You know, and buy bottled water and candles mm-hmm. and batteries for your, you know, because we didn't know what was going to happen. Were we going to have power? Were we going to have water? Right. Like, what was really going to happen? And so it was a little um, stressful and chaotic right. um, as we watched these this trial go on. And, and, you know, and then, you know, you get to the deliberation and you're just like, hey, what's going to happen? And so when that came down, um, that they were acquitted... Um, people just, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, so, uh, the intersection that, um, Reginald Denny, who was the truck driver, the white truck driver that was pulled out of his truck um on the corner or the intersection of Florence and Normandy <clears throat> I used to drive through that intersection every day on my way to wow. um I worked uh in LA I worked in downtown LA for um uh councilwoman Ruth Galaner and so oh, Okay this is when you were still doing paralegal work Mhm Okay <clears throat> And so I used to drive through that intersection almost every day on my way to work as did one of my roommates um and you know it, it it's kind of sends chills up your spine to think oh my gosh like that could have been me like just anything could have happened at that intersection any random person yeah. got pulled out of their vehicle right um and um so then that was a whole other 
um, thing with, you know, because that incident is kind of what um, really sparked the whole thing. The whole thing. Um, was uh, what happened at the intersection. The dude got pulled out of his truck because they had heard the verdict and it was sort of like payback mm-hmm. in a way, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, you know, they, if you watch any um, documentaries about the L.A. riots, you'll hear um, the L.A. Um, 4 or the L.A. Plus 2 or the L.A. 5. Right. And those were the four people, four plus two that were accused of everything Mm -hmm. that had happened to him. And one of the things that um, media like spun spun. off of that was um, your was Lance. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, uh, he wasn't there to do harm Mm -hmm. to, Reginald Denny or anyone else, he was there to help, Reg, you know, to help. Like, so the police were told no longer go in that area. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You, you, you have to bring in somebody. So his actions brought in the fire department. Um, but then he's, but then they accuse him of being, you know, one of the bad guys. And so he um, was just on the scene. And he called the fire department. Well, no, he he took action, and his actions therefore led to the fire department right. coming. Cool, gotcha. Um, yeah. So, uh, just so people know, Lance was a very good friend of yours growing up. I referred to him as Uncle, Uncle Lance. Lance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was very involved in this. Like mm-hmm. at the epicenter mm-hmm. at this intersection mm-hmm. that then sparked. Mm-hmm. all of the riots and this mm-hmm. was like one of your best friends from mm-hmm. college right one of my well one yeah one of my best friends um we actually met in boise oh because okay. he um <laughs> he came from los angeles to play for boise state right yeah because he's friends with all of the old uh bsu guys and warren and, and dirk, dirk and, and yeah. gary and all those guys yeah okay, so cool. <clears throat> so then yeah in fact um that that day um, I was trying to, uh, drive down Manchester from where I lived to your grandma Joanne's. And for those that don't know, so Joanne is Lance's mom. Right, yeah. And she's always been your grandma Joanne. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and trying to get to grandma Joanne's to help your uncle Paul hose down the rooftops of the houses, not of grandma, not just of grandma Joanne's house, but the whole, but neighborhood. The whole neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and a cop shit's literally on fire. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the foot locker on the corner of Western and Manchester. Like, was being that's, looted. that's the thing that I think people don't like fully comprehend when, yeah, like it was going into a war stories. zone. Yeah, exactly. To, to yeah. Go and shit's on fire. And, and, yeah. You know, and to have a, a, a cop tell me I can't go in there. Right. Um, you know, yeah. Looking at the because color of my you're skin, white. You're, you're a young go. white woman driving into the heart mm-hmm. of uh, Compton. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, South Central. South Central LA, LA. You know, it's so. Mm-hmm. That's. The cop is probably thinking he's trying he's, to yeah, save Yeah, he thought you. he was, yeah. yeah. And, and then he um, wanted to escort me in, and I said, um, you trying to get us both killed? Right, you're like, it, I am safer than you. Yeah, they know they me. They know me. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then another thing that came from um, the L.A. riots that I think is really kind of cool is, um, as I said, I was at LMU, and we, a bunch of us, decided that we wanted the um, school to take a stance and make it to where anyone that went there in order to graduate had to take a class in African-American studies, um, Asian American, um, some sort of racial diversity class. Yeah. Because we felt like that that's part of what the problem was. That seems like an important movement, especially because LMU, I mean, I only visited the campus at one time when we were looking for colleges for me. It seemed at that point in time, um, even though it's a small school, a little bit more of an, um, I don't want to say exclusive, but it had like... Well, it is a private Jesuit Yeah, it's a private Jesuit school, so it has that sort of air of like, um, I guess, ivory tower is literally the term I'm looking for, probably. Um, So then to introduce that there, I feel like is... You know, it's not like you introduced the, the, the racial diversity class requirement at UCLA or right, USC right, right. where it's where it was very probably already, already a thing, a thing. Mm-hmm. you were bringing it to a more private closed off mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm. racist community mm-hmm. um, which seems important so mm-hmm. that's cool yeah so we had to we basically sat well, you've been there so you know when you go in the entrance you have the one entrance in and the one entrance out right next to each other because there's only really one way into the school right from the community and so we all um it was a sit-in yeah we sat on the ground and no one could come in the school and no one could leave the school until the school agreed to our terms and um that was intense sounds intense um, you know because lmu really isn't in a bad part of town but we're no. really not that far from, from where the epicenter was yeah, so if that you want to call it and so la is weird that way you can have like you're driving down one street and it seems like this really nice well-to-do street and you take a left turn and a right turn and all of a sudden skid rows mm, crazy yeah, shit's yeah. going on yeah. like yeah. Like, yeah so if you're not familiar with the lines if you yeah. don't live there it's easy mm-hmm. to it seems just end up someplace yeah you know so there were times where I remember one one particular um, we thought that um, we were gonna someone was gonna drive by and open up fire gunfire on us just a slow moving car just um, a Friday situation yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah drive by yeah well and yeah, things had okay. been rumors had been stirring All and right. things like that so we weren't really sure what was going to happen but we also knew we weren't moving right damn <laughs> damn <laughs> yeah so lmu went ahead and took that on and along okay. with a few other things cool. that we had requested and wanted change within nice yeah so, so you've got to affect change in the middle of all that craziness yeah. that's yeah. pretty cool yeah so it was cool and it was um yeah, it was a crazy time it was a crazy time to live there it was my um so I graduated in May, so this all popped off in, like, April, right? Oh, so you were, like... So, um, by the time graduation was coming around and your papa and um, your aunt, Trudy, Mm -hmm. were driving 
from Oh, yeah, here. Papa loves to tell this story. Yeah. He um, loves to tell the story. He's driving into California, and he's got, like, a gun on the dashboard, mm-hmm. and the cop stops him mm-hmm. and is giving him all this stuff, and, then, oh, he's a Marine, mm-hmm. and he knows what he's mm-hmm. doing, and you're down there, mm-hmm. and it's a whole... It's a whole yeah. thing. I and probably... who would I be to drive into the middle of uh, a riot zone yeah, without a gun? gun yeah. You know, and literally, people were on their roofs with assault Korean rifles. Korean and Japanese yeah, yeah, liquor yeah. store owners and stuff. Yeah, you know, all that you hear is all, all true. true. That all true. happened, mm-hmm. and you were driving right by it. Um, that's so crazy. Let's balance it out. Fun stories of you being <laughs> in L.A. You you saw, like, Ice Cube and Dr. Dre just walking oh. in, in, around the apartments you were hanging out at. And, yeah. like, um, other celebrities and stuff, too, I imagine. Yeah, my, um... You were neighbor. in L.A. in, what is this, the early 90s, late 80s? Late 80s? Late 80s. You were in L.A. in the late 80s. That yeah. sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so crazy. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Well, you were in L.A. in the mid to late 90s. I mean, yeah, but I was a child. <laughs> I was an infant. <laughs> I wasn't, I mean, you were a young adult in L.A. in the late 80s. That yeah. sounds like a trip in of itself. Oh. The big oh, hair, neon colors cocaine oh my gosh <laughs> all types of crazy shit mm. going on yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah probably some i don't know who listens to this and what kind of stories i can tell i um, mean mostly like uh that they're people you know right. um okay. it's like uh Megan listens sometimes. Oh. Grace listens sometimes. Oh, hey, Grace. Patrick listens sometimes. Oh, yeah. So these are these are people whom who know you yeah. and you're pretty comfortable um. with. And I mean, if they're strangers and they don't know you, what what, what does it matter? Who cares? Right. <laughs> um. Also, I don't think we've said your name yet. You're just on as mom right now, mm. so it's like professional reasons or anything it doesn't matter they would really have to backtrace through me to get to you yeah. i think you're fine well yeah <laughs> i don't think i would say anything too crazy i right. didn't even think about what you just said so um <laughs> i do work with uh, yeah with uh kids, kids and stuff, and stuff yeah. do you want to talk about working with the kids because that's a thing that you did in la yeah but has looped back, back around, around and now because you were working more with like at risk sort of um like they they had like learning and emotional disabilities too but it wasn't the main concern more like their environment and stuff or just yeah they, they were more um at risk yeah more um you know from the streets more right. it's, um, if they weren't reading at the level they were supposed to read at it's not necessarily because they had dyslexia maybe they had that too but it was Probably because of their, the environment their they're environment, being raised they're in. Yeah, yeah, they're okay, living yeah, environment. Yeah. yeah, I worked with um, girls, all girls. Um, Which, at, by that time, I was around for some of that. Mm-hmm, I got to come mm-hmm, in and mm-hmm. be the baby in the classroom. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I'm sure that was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, working working in a group home with all girls pregnant oh, with well. you was... Um, <laughs> 
interesting. You I know that it was. Um, I I. You've often said that you ate a lot of Mexican food uh, while you were pregnant with mm-hmm. me. Do you think it was it some of the Latina girls in the classroom bringing you like <laughs> bringing tamales and stuff? Like Miss Lisa, here you go. Well, <laughs> was I, that a thing? Well, it wasn't so much of that because they um, probably couldn't they spare c- the food. Honestly. Well, and they couldn't. They, where mm-hmm. they were is where I was. They didn't get to yeah. leave and go home. Well, unless they got a home visit. Yeah, if they right. got a home visit and mom sent them back with. Um, right. Pan of tamales or enchiladas home. or okay. Mm-hmm. I did not realize uh, it was a group home setting when you had always told me the stories. I always envisioned like you were just like a like a special classroom. Two different jobs. Two different jobs. Two different okay. jobs. All right. Okay. So when I was pregnant with you is when I worked at the group home that okay. your godmother Kelly oh, worked at okay. as well. Cool. Um, and uh, in fact, she was there the day that I thought i was pregnant and she was like okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna go to the store and we're gonna get a pregnancy test and oh wow she was there for the pregnancy test yeah oh my god (laughs) so um yeah so we both worked at this group home and i worked nights and um you know i wasn't really into people like i wasn't a touchy-feely person like don't hug me don't you know what i mean like Ah, man, things are making so much sense. (laughs) And so, you know, here I am with this belly, and the girls would want to, like, don't touch me. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, uh, (laughs) but it got to a point where with some of them I felt comfortable enough, and there was a trust factor there that if they wanted to put their hand on my belly and be like, oh, that's so neat, Miss Lisa, well, Mm -hmm. then, okay, but... And then, um, yeah, and then I went to the, sc- the, the job that was the school. It was actually um, a group facility that had its own campus. So hmm. there were dorms there. So the girls lived there. They ate there. They went to school there. Everything was done there because their Almost behaviors were what, too bad to go to public what school. What white people would call like a boarding school right. or a prep school. Right. Like. This was for <laughs> right. baby yeah, kids, right. not... <laughs> not silver spoons yes. in yeah. their mouth. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and I loved that job. I right, loved and that's that what job. brought you into doing what you're doing now. Like, yeah. you kind of had to take a detour uh, through Quinn's mm-hmm. for, like, almost two decades. Mm-hmm. Um but you circled back around. Now it's more because we're in Boise, Idaho. Now, now it's more kids with like learning disabilities. More kids that are on the spectrum, spectrum with and autism yeah. and Asperger's and ADHD. Yeah, I mean, the all, list goes on yeah, and on yeah, and on. Yeah. I mean, one client of mine probably has eight diagnoses. So yeah. Know. Well, and like, I mean, I don't know a lot about psychology, but I know a little bit about psychology and the Venn diagram of symptoms for all of the things that you just named is damn near a circle. Oh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's real hard to pin down. Oh, yeah. Like, is this ADHD or is this ptsd is this, this autism yeah. is it is it anxiety OCD, is, is it, it um, yeah exactly there it's real hard to tell mm-hmm. that's why we need medical professionals but yeah or mental health professionals mental health. yeah mental health yeah. yeah so yeah so yes i i have circled all the way back around to um doing that kind of work here i remember mm-hmm. when I, we first moved here um and i up, up 
was applying for jobs that uh, the, mm-hmm. that were the most similar that I could find to what I had done in L.A. And there was no need here. There, there right. was no like I, no... and and um, like even in the space that you're in now probably didn't have as much it was probably um, lim- very limited to like oh, special ed yeah, teachers very, yeah, right mm-hmm. yeah or um occupational therapy people or something mm-hmm. like that but um and i remember the lady told me uh what'd she say um i think it was like uh, something like seven or nine dollars an hour or something like that and oh, i just wow. looked at her like did you miss the part of my resume? Like, I have right, a college right, degree. degree. Like, I have experience. Oh, so, so many like, millennials. What is going on right now? And um, she was like, well, there's really no... Just she no, said, no, you know what her exact yeah. words were? What? Welcome to Idaho. Uh, yeah, yeah. And well, it is because... literally, it has literally taken me 20-whatever years right. to finally be making... What you what? were making now when you I were was... like got out of college yeah, in California. Mm-hmm. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. That really speaks to how like when me and some friends were just having a conversation about this, like um, a comedian had gone to do some stuff on the road uh, and came back and was just talking about Idaho. And he was like, he was saying that it just speaks to how, like, Idaho isn't the best place to do comedy in because he went to, like, uh, Wyoming or Colorado or something. And he was in this super conservative bar, but everyone had a great time, even though they didn't know a comedy show was going to be happening. And oftentimes here, it, it doesn't end up that way. If you're in a conservative bar and they don't know that a comedy show is going to happen, you're probably not going to have a good show. Um, but so... But I didn't liken that to like, oh, Idaho's bad for comedy because I don't think that's true. What I think um, the real issue is, is Idaho is fucking backwards and like behind the times. Like literally even like I remember being a kid and it was super apparent Mm -hmm. um, that Idaho was behind the times. Like when we would go to L.A. just Mm -hmm. like shopping around Mm -hmm. or just like whatever like idaho was clearly like a few years behind and even now in like internet age like everyone's on facebook and twitter and instagram and tiktok you would think it would be more like homogeneous that we would be on the same page no idaho is still like sometimes we're only a few months behind but we're still like Behind. behind and in like as far as like minimum wage and stuff we're still years behind like the rest of the country it's so weird yeah also it's funny they uh the like internationally the place that is known as like backwards and behind is russia oh Uh, and it's funny because we both have a moscow Uh, (laughs) there's moscow idaho and there's moscow russia Mm -hmm. and they're both backwards as fuck (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting right yeah yeah i mean and people used to say oh that's because the cost of living is more there but really the cost of really when i when 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 we're talking about oh, back cost then, of living in LA is what yeah, you're saying. But when, okay. but when, but really, when we made that transition to come here, back really, in the only, I mean, the, 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 the things that, you know, really, um, contributed to the like cost of living. Like, people were like, oh, um, 
the, the price of gas or the price of groceries or, you know, and it was like, I got here and it was like, it's really not, not that, that different. different. Now, yeah. property taxes is, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, but that's... So much of, like, quote, property values is bullshit, like HOAs and stuff. So it's like, how do you... How would you compare, like, Apples between states and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, everybody should probably just be on the same page with that minimum wage thing. Usually when I start getting political and rambling on like this is where I try and wrap it up. But... Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, right. then we can just fall down a, 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 rabbit, a, hole? a rabbit hole, a wormhole mm-hmm. of, of, of a hole. bunch of stuff. Yeah, but is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Because, I mean, I didn't give you really any warning on what we were going to talk about you were asking i was like i don't know i have a few questions but like we can talk about anything oftentimes you'll ask me a question when we're not doing the podcast just living um and i'll go off on something i'm like damn i wish i had recorded that for the podcast or maybe i can make that a bit so i don't know if you have any questions for me or anything well i think um, I think it's interesting that you have, we just got done talking about how I've kind of circled, you know, back around to working with, with kids and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, well, you too have kind of circled back around, um, because when you were little, oh, um, I know where this is going. <laughs> um, you were very, um, your nickname was Hollywood for yeah, a while. Yeah, you called me Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You called <laughs> because you would act out things and you could imitate anything. Yeah, I love uh, I love doing impressions. When and, I was yeah, a kid, you yeah. could you Johnny Bravo and <laughs> all of these characters you could imitate and um, and uh, you yeah. were in every school play. I um, killed it in Romeo and Juliet. Actually, I killed it in uh, what was it, cigarette. the cigarette on trial, where yeah. I embodied yes. like a cigarette and yes. like tobacco companies and stuff. Yes. Apparently, I murdered yeah, that. So many of your. Um, <laughs> classmates parents yeah came to me and was like oh my god he should be an actor he needs to be in acting classes oh my god he needs to be in the public forum he needs to be the a public, public forum he needs to be a public speaker <laughs> like um, well i am doing stand-up comedy yeah, that's kind so, of public speaking so um you know so it's kind of interesting you know and, the, and when you first kind of started doing this your friend june mm-hmm. i would run into him at where he worked and i one day i said he said something to me and i said i know can you believe it and he was like well yeah if you think about it look at what he how he always was and what he did and i mean june didn't it didn't um you know shock him at all right that that's that this is the road that you've taken right just because he remembers how you were then and um i was like oh yeah you're right huh so you too have kind of gone well so just to show how there it's how it's a circle i so that was like me in elementary school i was doing like plays and things like that um i was in choir Mm -hmm. and things choir um camp crescendo which Mm -hmm. is like if you've followed me to this podcast from jeremy nelson's podcast our first episode together we learned we had 
both gone to Camp Crescendo, like, yeah. only a few years apart. He's yeah. not that much older right. than me, which is weird to think. But, right. um, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so that, that was me as a kid. And then I feel like around, like, uh, eighth grade, I started uh, becoming more academically inclined. Mm -hmm. I started focusing more in on school because Mm -hmm. I needed to. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't focusing, I wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and like uh, sports and things are thrown in there as well. So there was sort of a time almost between like, because that the cigarette on trial was fifth grade. So almost like I would say, sixth grade uh, for a long time forward it was like school and sports Mm -hmm. back and forth kind of yeah um until like i went to try and do comedy at quinn's when i was 18 and then college and things and figuring stuff out but then 21 you can get in the bars really started doing it yeah um so that's the circle, just so everyone gets. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and I think in high school, when you took debate. It was a different manifestation of the same thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, kind of set things off a little bit differently for you at yes. that time. Um, and uh, for those that do not know, <laughs> my I, child lettered. Oh, I see high school. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did do Not that. Not a lot of people mm-hmm. know that you lettered. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah. I don't think of that as like a thing to brag about um, outside of high school, <laughs> like after high school. Well, it may not be, yeah. but um, even even in the time, even at right. that present time, you didn't really. I don't think appreciate what i had done you know what was uh, and you know what i wish i could uh like if i could go back and maybe tell myself a few things one of the things i would try and tell myself is like uh not to compare myself because though i was doing well in debate in general i was on the boise high debate team which was like a really good debate team so there were two to three other teams on our team that did better than me and Mm -hmm. so i didn't i was comparing myself Mm. and not seeing seeing myself clearly understanding um my strengths and 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 things so well when you go to the first meeting as a parent and the teacher the debate teacher tells you Oh, you don't have to worry about signing that because first year debaters don't go don't go on these Don't um, go trips. travel. They don't go out of state right. to go on tournaments. Two weeks later I'm getting an email from like, your teacher uh, saying, Hey, we need him hey, to go out of state for this because he's one of the better mm-hmm. debaters that we have. Um, and that was definitely true. Uh, another thing is like how you sort of chart your progress. I would say like the first year I really like exploded out of the gate. So yeah. I was noticeably one of the best ones. And then the second year, I think the, um, the graph was less like straight up still increasing, but the angle sort of went down yeah. a little bit. And then by the third year I was a senior at plateaued. I wasn't yeah. interested in getting better at debate. I had, I had already done that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, that the way that graph looks and then also just, um, 
yeah, me comparing myself to people is what led to that. Uh, I've been getting blown up on my phone, and it's just... Is it time for us to shut it down? No, it's just Democrats trying to get a hold of me. For oh. <laughs> like, do you want to support Joe Biden? And it's like, I don't have to support Joe Biden. Right. I don't want to. <laughs> the lesser it's of two whole, evils. I, I guess. I also hate that phrasing, but that's kind of what it is. I don't know. That, but again, once we start getting into politics, that's when, that's it's, when time, it's time to time shut time it down. To, time to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Unless I start the episode like this is going to be a politics episode, or, yeah. which just, uh, sometimes I do that. But that's I feel like it's only fair to let the audience know what they're getting in for. And yeah. They didn't sign up for politics yeah. this time. Well, thank you for having me as your podcast guest. guest. First guest. First Thanks, guest. Mom. Thanks for coming on. You are welcome. I'm, yeah. I hope hope that we get to do another episode some other time and we probably um, will and uh yeah it's it, it makes up for you not letting me go to your shows oh it, uh, do we do you want to talk about that real quick or? <laughs> that's up to you <laughs> um that's uh that's uh, so that's two things that's a um that is a holdover oh if the audio gets too crazy i might not be able to do it but okay so the reason i don't let you come to comedy shows two things one when i first started doing comedy it was uh it was one of the few things that felt like uh my thing Mm -hmm. you know so so it's my space yeah um because I already share a lot of space with you so yeah that that's the one thing but that's that's sort of yeah but that's more of a past thing that's less of a concern now now the concern is more like more just the way that like you don't i don't know when you're an artist or whatever when something's not finished you don't want to show it to people but comedy inherently you have to do in front of people when it's it's not done but you're one of the few like audience members that i can be like no wait it's not ready yet no wait it's not ready yet so like when it's ready when i'm like recording for my first album or i get a chance to do a netflix or comedy central or hbo or showtime spot you're gonna be there because that's it that's when it's that's gonna be my first like okay this is ready this material is ready because it's going out to everyone not just this bar room full of people like right but you also need to do what you just said you wish you could have done back Oh, not ago. compare myself. Not compare yourself. Well, not it's compare. not about comparing myself to like people who are already on Netflix, but just knowing that um, that to get to the place where you have a comedy album um, requires a certain caliber of skill. Yeah, and um, just being honest with myself, I'm not yeah. sure if I'm there yet. Right. Um, but like getting closer working on it so once i feel like i'm there you'll get to i'll stop telling some of your friends and mentors to um, (laughs) to sneak you in yeah so many of them have like 
oh my god we have to sneak you in we can we can disguise you we can hide you behind the wall <laughs> like um they they have all kinds of um ideas all types of um, but i respect ways. your decision and the reasons for it and so i always tell yeah. them no no but he- yeah you got to be uh first on the podcast instead yeah. which Woo-hoo! like judging by the way things are going with the world if i'm gonna be successful it's probably gonna be through the podcast before it's through (laughs) comedy Comedy. yeah it's hard to do comedy right now Mm -hmm. so but we can do this anytime cool um yeah thanks for doing the show all right everybody that was uh that was me and my mom you can't turn off that mic on your end i just have to wrap it up and then and then it'll turn off but uh yeah thanks everybody uh that fucking podcast uh that fucking guy lj sullivan um instagram twitter uh facebook lj sullivan comedy crazy uh all those things um catch me at the lounge at the end of the universe uh here in boise on wednesdays uh mad swede on mondays uh and it looks like we're going to be doing east side tavern tonight on sundays yeah so yeah in about an hour i'm gonna be over at the east side all right everybody thanks for listening peace out